This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Walter Koenig, Chekhov from Star Trek, and you're listening to Trek FM. You're a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in Standard Orbit, sir. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I'm Ken Tripp. I am Haley Stoddart. No, wait. I'm Batman. Wow. That was cool. What the hell are you doing? What's hey. what? <laughs> You're scaring me. <laughs> why, why are you wearing a mask? What What is happening here? I'm Batman. <laughs> you do that better than, um, uh, oh, goodness. What was his name? What was the actor that did that? Changed his voice. Oh, man. Chris um, Nolan's Batman. Well, Nolan's yeah. Batman. That is, oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm blanking on his name. I had it. Yeah, you did. Isn't oh that incredible? God. That's what happens when you get old. Welcome. Welcome to the club. You must be like Eight. over 30 now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I am. <laughs> no, I, yeah, that always kind of was a little weird that he had to do it um, and say, I'm yeah, I got it though. I understood why. I thought it was done well. Um, but the reason you're Batman is because we're going to be talking about some lists you came up with with folks that, um, played in both Star Trek and Batman, which I think is going to be very fun. So we'll get into that in a minute. But yes. Haley, I missed you. I know. I really missed you. It's been a while since we've um, been able to catch up and, and talk and and podcast. But, um, you know, I was surrounded by like five or 6,000 Star Trek fans and, and no Haley. Um, so it was it was really tough because, hey, you're our partner. I know. I, I was I was sad to not be there, especially with you and Zach being there. I mean, Zach was there last year, so that was finally nice. We got to meet up. And the year before, you and I had mm-hmm. met. Uh, just, I think, pure, pure happenstance. I think I liked the shirt you and your daughter were wearing. Yeah. <laughs> so I asked you about it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> that, I think that's where, where it started. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it was. I was definitely having some uh, FOMO, if uh, listeners don't know what that is. It's fear of missing out, and I had some missing out blues. Well, if, if it means anything, one of the things that was very humbling was, you know, I, I, as I said on the last couple of shows, not only did I have a great time and met a lot of great people, but how many people that I talked to, once they knew who I was or what show I was doing, was like, oh, Haley, she's wonderful. And you know, especially Julie and a few, I, I mean, my goodness, you have quite the fan club out there, Miss Haley. And, um, you know, it was it was really, really awesome that uh, that so many people were asking about you and what it's like to work with you and and all these things. I, I was like, wow, you know, that that's that's really, really sweet. So I knew you were popular. I got that. You know, I didn't expect, you know, the side of the Rio to have your picture on it, however, right underneath Penn and Teller, <laughs> just to give you an idea of just how popular you are. And um, I made them take it down because, you know, it was making me feel a little small. But uh, overall, it, it was a great time, but you were sorely missed. But I can tell you, you are extremely loved out there. Oh, well, thank you. And, and thank you, everyone who I know has messaged me uh 
either during STLV or after saying that uh, they missed seeing me there. I, I appreciate it. And it meant a lot to me and, and definitely made me kind of feel like I kind of was there a little bit, sort of. Well, to me, you were there because everybody was asking me about you. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a pretty cool thing. Uh, Should have gone with the Haley mask then. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You know, I, I, I hugged quite a few people. I think that would have magnified okay. by a factor of about 12 to 15 times if I put on a Haley mask. Um, and then people would be sorely disappointed. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, yeah, it was, it was, it was a great time. I'm hopeful that uh, you can make it next year. And, um, and, and we'll see if it, if it all works out for everybody, because I, I, um, honestly, you you know, you could, you could entertain a a restaurant full of people with the number of folks that were asking for you. So, uh, hopefully it'll work out. Well, thank you. you. I know you can never commit this far out because you never know, but, uh, hopefully it will. That it is, it is in the plans as of right now. So we're, we're shooting for it. Good. And, um, okay. So that's. That's that's Las Vegas. We've done two shows on it. I don't want to keep um, going back there, but I thought it was important for you to know um, that uh, people were cheering for you, rooting for you, and, and love you to death. So, and how can they not? I mean, you just are what you are. Now, you know, it's a burden. You'll deal with it. Okay. It yeah. Is a burden. Mm-hmm. She'll have her own booth yeah. and autographs no, next year. You'll see. Really, really major, major thank yous to everyone. It's it's wonderful to know that I have. Uh, this family that I truly appreciate. That's the Very that's deeply. the perfect word, Haley. Family. That's what it is. It really, really is. It's the it best is. thing about this um, this fandom is that it is a family. There's some dysfunction in there sometimes, but for the most part, it's quite a family. Well, what family doesn't have some dysfunction to it? So. Mm, the Waltons. Really. Oh, I'm sure there was mm, some there. Okay, I I have to go back and do a rewatch. Not happening. Um, so let's uh, let's switch switch gears a little bit. We had some pretty big news this week, didn't we, Haley? We did. And if you are not excited, I don't know how you cannot be. Yeah. Uh, I'm. I know. I'm very excited and happy to hear. Um, I'll spill the beans a little bit. We finally have this merger for Paramount, Viacom, and CBS. So Trek is back under one roof. Finally. Yes. Finally. Yes, finally. So it's uh it has been a wild and wacky ride if you think about that uh you know this really started two and a half years ago in conversation. Then you mm-hmm. had Les Moonves, who was the head of CBS, who wanted nothing to do with it, actually sued or tried to sue Sherry Redstone, so that even though she has um the majority of shares in both Viacom excuse me, and CBS, um, that would not allow her to, to put a proxy together to make it happen, which was really bizarre. Uh, I guess he was looking to uh, keep his empire. And then he became uh, caught up in the Me Too movement. So Leslie Boy was mm-hmm. not a good boy. He was doing bad things. And uh, he was forced to, to resign. Uh, he still maintains a bit of his innocence, but uh, and, it, and I think he was suing for something like $30 million in, in his bonuses or whatever. But all that stuff's going away. I think all that stuff is done. But once he was out of the way, there really wasn't any one person at CBS who was as adamant about keeping the two companies separate. So then they could restart the negotiations over again. Uh, the, it, was, it was supposed to be announced late last week. So we're recording this on Thursday the 15th. And, um, you know, so I, I was watching uh, all the information I have, and I have um, different triggers and notices that I get on certain stocks, and I, I track both Viacom and CBS. And then um, Monday morning, I figured, okay, this is the big day, and they were just off on the stock price, merger price, and going back and forth a little bit, and they finally came to agreement very, very late Monday, early Tuesday. It was the New York Times that broke the story. Uh, and I saw it as soon as I got up. I posted it. Um, and being the Babel conference, I just threw it under one of the standard orbit ones, like the first one I found. So there probably wasn't a lot of people who saw it. <laughs> but I was all excited. And uh, and then since then, I've seen a lot of posts and a lot of articles that have been written. But 
So Haley, what do you, what do you think the the opportunities are that are out there now with this with this combined company? I mean, it's not officially done yet. It'll, it'll be done by the end of the year. But, but what are your thoughts there from yeah. what you've read and what your expectations are? So I know that you know. Obviously, we can speculate to the cows come home of what this means. But I like that we finally have everything under one roof because. This gives more backing to the potential of a Star Trek four, not just the Quentin Tarantino film that we know is at least written. Um, and some of the actors have agreed that they would enjoy doing it and having that. But it, it could mean that maybe that potential is there, which would be really great. Um, and... I mean, who knows? It, it could lead to some weird, funky crossovers of some of the actors. Um, that's the weird out one that I don't know that I would truly appreciate. But maybe some, uh, you know, air quotes made for TV film uh, could be done potentially mm-hmm. um, with, you know, not having to worry about big budgets and competing against all the like what 16 other marvel films that's going to be coming out between now and 2025 <laughs> and yeah. and everything else um you know not not something a huge big budget but that would be a big draw that would be incredible um i think this opens up possibly for maybe something to do with like pike and having a film for pike and just because okay well now you own the movie rights what couldn't they do? yeah so i think one of the things that was was interesting that i i i guess but i'd never seen officially was that any of the actors that were in the films could not be on the uh, tv versions so they couldn't play the tv versions of themselves right so you know, mm-hmm. you've got Ethan Peck instead of Zachary Quinto. You've got Anson Mount instead of Bruce Greenwood. Um, things along those lines. And, and I'm not here to debate that that was right or wrong. It's just what happened. And I think it's worked yeah. out for everybody for the most part. But if you're trying to pull it all together under one universe, it, it is it is kind of interesting. But um, I think that, that, that you're right. It opens up a ton of doors. Now, the first area that, that's going to be a focus is going to be CBS All Access. Because that streaming mm-hmm. service to them is, um, you know, very very important. So you look at the big revenue streams for the combined companies. Um, the movie house is just a portion of it. I don't even think it's twenty percent when you think about it for revenues. It's all the TV and and remember Viacom, Paramount owned Nickelodeon and and a whole mm-hmm. bunch of other cable channels, uh, MTV. So they they had uh, you know they had a presence. Now you've got CBS and Showtime. Uh, you know, Showtime now can show exclusive content for Paramount as well as negotiate. CBS also produces a lot of shows that show up on other networks. And when they're done, uh, CBS will own them so that they could only mm-hmm. stream on um, CBS All Access. So as, as di- now, as long as I've been predicting this merger would happen, and it did, so I'm not Nostradamus or anything, but sorry, coming for because of all the business reasons that, that that it made sense to the the only reason it was being kept apart really was more ego, and it's funny how emotion can creep into business sometimes. But in this case, mm-hmm. it, it makes a lot of sense. But with with Disney going to be the juggernaut of the streaming world, mm-hmm. um, Netflix, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, I hope you if if anybody owns stock in Netflix. Um, be careful. <laughs> it's my, uh, now I'm not a stockbroker. This is not official advice. All that stuff that's loyalty that uh, lawyerly that you say at the bottom of anything. Don't take anything I say with a grain of salt. But uh, Disney is going to be the king. They are going to they yeah. are going to own um, the streaming world. Um, and and because of their because of their size because of their content. Um, but one of the things that's interesting is you know the more movies they put out, they make a lot of money from the movies. And then they'll put it on the streaming service, which will get more subscribers because they'll want to see the movies again. Whereas Netflix, which is spending ridiculous amounts of money on original content, $100 million on a movie, they don't get any upside in the revenue. They just show it on Netflix. Mm -hmm. So that model isn't sustainable. It just isn't. Um, Disney's going to earn money from four or five different tracks. Netflix will only have its subscriber base and it'll only whittle down in time. And so what CBS All Access can do is be one of those um, smaller guys. You know, like, like there's always a smaller company out there. 
that can charge a fair rate and you'll have everything you'll want to see between two streaming networks um, and Netflix will will go the way of the dodo eventually it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch this transformation happen I think it's uh, you know in the business world I always find it interesting I don't I don't wish or want anybody anywhere to ever lose a job or uh, for a company to fail or whatnot, but it's just kind of that that business cycle that we're into. So I think this makes a lot of sense for um, for the two companies to come together now, and it gives them a lot of additional firepower. And as I I put on the Babel conference, now watch out for Sprint. I'm my next bold prediction, Haley, is that within 18 months of the combined company, if they show good returns, and um, mm-hmm. and things are moving in a solid direction that Sprint would once most likely um, eat up that combined company. Mm. Much like much like AT&T just did with Warner Brothers and all of those companies. So, Well, this is interesting. So um, I had forgotten that Viacom had Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. So essentially this means once we get that kids uh, animated series going – for Star Trek, that all of it will be available, hopefully potentially on CBS All Access, or if they create a streaming service, combine something or other, so that you can access everything that's been owned by Viacom. Yep. yep. It's so that'll be yeah. Great. It's 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 a lot of fun to see this happen, but it's it's funny. But for Star Trek fans, it is the best of all possibilities, I think, for the reasons that you stated. So to take the business out of it, I would love to see. Um, a, a Captain Pike movie if they're not going to do a series. I would. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to see them do another movie with the the new cast, you know, from the Kelvin timeline. I, I, I love those movies. Um, I, yeah. I, I think they're wonderful. Uh, it'd be nice if, if Tarantino does his movie um, with the Kelvin cast in the prime timeline, <laughs> which now they can do. Um, you know, mm-hmm. all of these things are, are all wide open. So the possibilities are, are endless. Um, you know, if, um, if the streaming service is to keep growing or whatnot, they may actually have their arms twisted into putting Deep Space Nine and Voyager out in HD. Yeah. Right? And it might not be on physical media, but they, they're going to have to do it because people are going to be watching on their mm-hmm. smart TVs. And for all those people that want to catch up or they just can't get enough Trek, like um, like the two people on this podcast, um, you're you're gonna want that quality, right? Yeah. So exactly. it's uh, it's it's interesting. I think I think the the possibilities now have have really changed. And I for one, I mean, I love Star Trek on the big screen. Um, the production mm-hmm. quality of Discovery is phenomenal. The production quality, I'm sure Picard will be up there. I'm sure um, all the other shows, you know, Section 31 um, will be up there as well. I I have no doubt. But, um, you know, for me, uh, sitting back and being able to see uh, Star Trek on the big screen is is fun because I I watch Discovery as much on my computer screen or phone (laughs) than like on a on a big TV. I just just the way things are nowadays, you know. No, I, I completely agree. So this definitely opens up a lot of possibilities, and it could all just be wonderful. We're just going to go. It's going to be great. going to be great. We're going to rock it out. And in a few, well, I can wait. I don't want summer to end. But in September, 40th anniversary of Star Trek, the motion picture on the big screen, you know, for all of you puppies out there, like my esteemed co-host, um, that is a movie you want to see on the big screen. It is magnificent. It is beautiful. The music, the effects, everything, you know, whether or not you love the quality of the story or whatever, um, that is what pulled me into Star Trek was seeing that movie on the big, it, it's incredible. So I hope everybody who can, or if it's, it's in Cine zip code, I don't know if you have those types of theaters near you in the Gamma Quadrant there, Haley, but, um, you know, there's like three or four not too far from me that it's going to be playing, and, and I'll be there. It's like one of those big two reclining theaters, so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got plenty of miles. I will fly you to the closest city, and we get to go see Star yes, Trek, the motion picture, on the big screen. That is 
We could be lucky. It could come here. I haven't looked to see if it's going to or not. So we'll we'll see. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, but I'm I'm just I'm just happy. So <laughs> at the beginning of this podcast, way back when. I'm Batman. You used this really <laughs> funny voice and you yeah, said So I picked up this book. Uh, it had been sitting on my Amazon wish list for, for months and it's called the Star Trek The Book of Lists, um, by Chip Carter. And it's just chock full of different lists regarding Star Trek. And it's really fun. And so I was flipping through it. And one of these lists really stuck out to me because it was both two shows that I really enjoy. Uh, Batman. I'm talking the original 1960s Batman with Adam West. And Star Trek. And uh, this list is a list of actors who had a role in Star Trek, but then also were in the live-action Batman TV series. So, um, you know, that show started my love of Batman. I still love Batman. And um, I'm really excited to talk about this list because some of them are really, I had no idea. Yeah, well, brilliant idea. You know, it's, um, as, as a lot of people may think because, well, you and Zach make it look easy. It's not the, the, the simplest thing in the world to come up with a, um, a new program, a new idea for this podcast. <laughs> and, um, After uh, 200 and some odd episodes, yeah. Yeah, this is 280. <laughs> um, you it think is. about it, right? So we've been, I've been doing this three and a half years. Crazy how fast the time goes. And, um, and, and, and I love these one-offs. Like you come up with something... Uh, as clever as this, because I, I remember watching the original series, and I was a big Batman fan growing up. I mean, my best friend, uh, he was always bigger, taller than me. He was always Batman. I was Robin. We had the towels tucked back in our T-shirts and uh, running around playing Batman and Robin. We watched Batman every single day. And, um, and when I got into Star Trek, which was a little bit after I was into Batman, um, it, was, it was always kind of cool when you go, oh, hey. That person was in Batman, and uh, you've you've put together a uh, a pretty cool list here to go through, and I'm I'm excited to talk about it. Oh, good! I I am too, and I don't think I ever tucked mine in, but I remember attempting to tie my towel around my neck. Oh yeah, it was probably both. Um, yeah, something like that. So, what <laughs> superhero were you? I, I was Batman. You were Batman. You I are Batman. Batman. <laughs> wow i am that's cool all right so you you beat all these actresses out there before you know playing a superhero huh yep i did cool <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> all right well kick us off Haley. all right so this first one uh we all if you don't know that he was in batman i'm i feel really sad for you obviously it's frank gorshin he plays my favorite villain in batman ever the riddler mm -hmm. i love the riddler but then he was also in let that be your last battlefield when he played uh bele is it bele or beal beal if it's beal it's spelled really funky for beal it so is spelled I, funky for beal isn't it but i believe it's yeah. beal um but i could be wrong because i've seen that um that episode oh i don't know how many times probably more times than i've done this podcast <laughs> i don't really know <laughs> But you know what was great about uh, seeing him again was, you know, you already looked at Frank Gorshin as being a um, a bad guy, mm -hmm. right? Which I thought I thought was interesting. So the second he showed up on the screen, you knew he was bad. <laughs> and I thought, and you know that that kind of plays out as it goes. Obviously, he's a law enforcement guy or a bounty hunter, whatever he was. But um, I I did find too a couple of things. You know, once again uh, he had to disguise himself right so instead of a mask he he has the the face paint and then the uh the other thing was uh, this guy is very comfortable in his skin because he's he's wearing the tightest outfits um on tv especially for a guy um ever yeah. you know so he would have been very yeah, comfortable in the motion picture now that i think about it suits he probably would have yeah maybe he was he's just <laughs> in the background and never got credited i don't know <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. 
but he played a great role and um he, he, he you know like i said he was um he wasn't that far out of character for me either i mean it was kind of like the the rank the, the riddlers playing beale or bailey but it, it's, it's it seemed like one of those things where um you know it it translated nicely let's put it that way yeah and he's just got such a distinct laugh uh i remember first watch when i first watched through tos and i was like oh that's frank gorshin oh that's the riddler yeah. like i immediately knew oh yeah yeah he's he he has a, a at least a distinct laugh distinct voice mannerisms mm-hmm. yeah he was he was a he was a very animated guy uh so yeah that's a good way to start you ready for number two yeah i'm ready okay go ahead hit us all right number two we've got julie newmar and of course she was catwoman for the first two years of batman and then she was in friday's child she was the pregnant Mm-hmm. in friday's child yeah now julie she newmar. was a good catwoman yes she played a very good catwoman um mm-hmm. i believe she was my favorite of of all the cat women because uh, there were three or four at least, right? You had Eartha Kitt, mm-hmm. Lee Merriweather, Julie Newmar. Was there another Newmar. one, or is it just three? I think it was just those three. Yeah, and and they all brought something different to the role. Um, but I think uh, Julie Newmar, maybe because she was the first one, I'm not sure. Uh, it just kind of stuck home. But yeah, she uh, she looked very very different, obviously, in Friday's Child, and uh, <laughs> I mean it was easy to pick up who she was and whatnot again a very distinct voice um you know very very um beautiful woman had uh, very distinct facial features you know i i don't know about how you feel about julie newmar but um i always thought she she had a very exotic look to her and um she, played mm-hmm. played played both roles very well i mean she didn't have a ton to do in friday's child i mean not compared to like catwoman where she's kind of the co-star but you know it was a pretty good role Definitely. Um, and I agree with you. She's she's a very beautiful woman and, and always had that distinct look to her. So I enjoyed it. You want to take us to the next one? Yeah. Now, this was a surprise to me. Okay. Joan Collins. I did not realize she was ever in Batman. So we all know her as Edith Keeler from City on the Edge of Forever. But I didn't realize she was the siren fact i wasn't I, I didn't even remember that episode until i saw this list and i haven't gotten to the episode yet um uh, listeners you won't be able to see it but i actually found a picture of uh her character and i'm gonna have to find the episode she's got a harp and like her hair's all pulled up and um it it looks like joan collins but it also kind of doesn't so i'm gonna have to look out for that episode yeah, yeah. Well, so she's definitely dressed up as a siren. I get it. Um, <laughs> yep. I can only imagine what she did to, to poor Batman and Robin in that episode, you know. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was that? I was thinking uh, Poison Ivy, right, was the other one um, using the pheromones. But this one, yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit different. The Song of the Siren. So anyway, yes. yeah, that, 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 was a, that was a good surprise. Uh, no idea. No idea. So that's a good one. Okay, ready for number four? I am. Go ahead. All right. Number four. He's our favorite uh, trickster. It's uh, Roger C. Carmel, and he was uh, Colonel Gum in Batman. Uh, created some counterfeit stamps. And then, of course, we know him as Harry Mudd. <laughs> yes, we do. So, um, again, he was another one that uh, once, once looked up, I was like, yeah, I remember him. <laughs> but... I, I didn't before this list came out, and uh, that was, it's it's funny, I mean, they were produced pretty much the same time. I think Batman started in, what, 64? Yes. And went a couple, it, it, it was, there were many more episodes of, of Batman, because it would play twice a week, mm-hmm. um, and, and just the way they did, it was very serialized, which was pretty cool. So I didn't, I didn't remember him either um, until, until the list came out, until you shared this with me. I was like, oh, my goodness. So, yeah, another, another big surprise for me. And it, it is always fun to see somebody you know from one show or the other play another role um, and see if they can pull it off, you know, because uh, especially um, Roger Carmel, again, uh, he's, he's been in a ton of things. He was, he was very popular um, for those types of roles. 
uh, in the sixties. And, uh, but, but he had a career long before that as well. So yeah. that was, that was a good one to pull out. I know. And uh, you know, it's interesting. I think some of these, they got very typecast. So, you know, I'm sure Colonel Gum and, and Harry Mudd were kind of similar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they were. <laughs> Do you want to give us the next one? Yes. Yes. Yvonne Craig. This one I did know right away. Uh, obviously, she played Batgirl uh, for the latter season or mm-hmm. two of Batman. And uh, she played Marta, the Orion in Whom Gods Destroy. Very nice. Yeah. What did you think of her role? Uh, I liked Batgirl. Batgirl was fun. <laughs> like, I mean, it was just a fun addition to the story and everything and obviously Orions are very interesting and uh, quite different characters so it's kind of neat to see her play something a little more devious well I felt sorry for Marta yeah. um, I, ve- I really did so uh, you, you're right you, Yvonne Craig uh, again a, a, a very um, talented uh, beautiful actress mm-hmm. I thought uh, you know it you know, and for all the people go, oh, you know, are you objectifying? No, not at all. You have to remember, you know, you're looking through um, these shows, for me anyway, through the eyes of, you know, a preteen or whatever. And, um, you know, she was a very pretty girl, pretty pretty lady, I should say. And uh, I thought, you know, she, she played a great Batgirl and um, a, a wonderful addition to the show because you... I, I always got excited too, you know, in the opening credits where you had Batman and Robin, and then you had her cape explode yep. in the in the credits because you knew then you're like, oh, okay, this is you know she's in it, this is going to be good. Um, but the the character of Marta, uh, you know, um, very very sad character, very tragic. Uh, I I thought you know uh, manipulated, used, um, obviously you know Orion slave girls and and all of that. Mm-hmm. That that that's not a good thing. But uh, she died a horrific death, and one of the more violent ones I can remember in Star Trek. Oh, I agree with you there. Yeah, it just it just wasn't. It was, I was like, man, this that was that was pretty nasty. But um, anyway, uh, she she um, did did a great job as Marta, and it, again, she was one of the folks you you could definitely recognize the face. The hair was very different. The makeup, I mean, well, for goodness sake, she was green. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, she, she, one thing we learned, she could dance. Well, and I think, you know, you, you take a look at some of these actors and you might say, okay, I know them. Um, and it's those subtle facial features. It's the shape of the nose, the eyes, the voice. And uh, you, you know them, but then you can't place why you know them which is really it's an interesting concept in psychology of, of why this happens to us it's really quite fun but uh, i digress mm. uh i will go on with the next one uh we have lee merriweather who uh took over the role as catwoman and then mm-hmm. she was losira in that which survives as well she was so she had probably the best name bat in batman right miss kitka mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I, you know, uh, it, it's hard to believe that I was once young enough not to realize that the movies were campy. <laughs> yeah, they were. <laughs> oh, they were. <laughs> they were. Well, yeah, they intentionally so. But I mean, you know, like I said, for I'm a little kid watching it, it was like, you know, it obviously, I, I still remember being frustrated. It's like he can't figure out that Miss Kitka is Catwoman. Yeah. You know, I, I I guess I thought I was the smartest kid watching the show or the movie because uh, that was the Batman movie. But um, and then right, Lysira in in that which survives. Uh, again, you know, um, I, I believe she went on to um, to play in as a lead character in Barnaby Jones. Um, uh, you, you know one of those Quinn Martin production police shows mm-hmm. that were very prevalent in the in the 70s uh, with Buddy Epson of all people um you wouldn't think that the 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 main uh lead in the Beverly Hillbillies could play a um a detective but he could <laughs> who knew uh, yeah who knew those, yeah those see how we go on these roles <laughs> well it's funny you know you come up with this list and uh, and for me it's it's a very nostalgic run um because i was 
I was I was a big TV watcher when I was a little kid, um, probably much more than I should have been, uh, healthy wise. And and I just remember all these folks showing up over and over. And Lee Merriweather, I also want to say I thought she was uh, Miss America, as well. I could be wrong about that, uh, but uh, she again very lovely actress. Um, but she uh, her roles got more sophisticated. As, as time went on, luckily for her. Well, and I think a lot of the reason why a lot of these actors were in various different things is sets were not too far from each other. And, you know, it, it was easy to go from one to the other. I mean, one of the other lists um, in this book is those who were in the TV show Mission Impossible and also in Star Trek. And they would just hop over from, you know, they'd film on one lot one day and then they'd hop over to the next lot and film for the other show the next, you know, later that day or the next day. Um, so I think, you know, we had this uh, subset of actors that just kind of bounced around on the lot, different shows. Yeah, well, that makes sense to mm -hmm. me. Uh, yeah, it, it does. And of course, these are all well, for the most part, they're character actors, mm -hmm. right? So I get it. I get it. Okay, let's see. Um, who do we have next? So the next one we've got is Leslie Parrish, and uh, she was a hench woman to hench woman. <laughs> hench woman to Penguin and Mr. Freeze. And then she also played Lieutenant Carolyn Palamas in Who Mourns for Adonai. That's right. And I remembered her from... Who mourns for Adonai, Adon Adonis? I, I, I never get I that. I know. Right. I think everyone pronounces it different. It's fine. <laughs> yes. And it, it is funny, too, because when I've listened to different podcasts or whatever, and I hear it uh, pronounced differently from show to show, I, I kind of smile, too. Um, but I didn't remember her at all uh, in, in that role as the, quote-unquote, henchwoman to Penguin and Mr. Freeze. But you came up with uh, a pretty good picture of her, and it was like, okay, you could definitely see it's the same actress um, you know, young, um, uh, you know, blonde, everything, mm -hmm. you know, just, yep, that it was, it was her again, just not in a Starfleet uniform. Um, uh, I think she was, wasn't she laying on something and with the picture? She I think anyway, so. but yeah, she, um, yeah, I, I didn't remember her at all, but, um, kind of, kind of cool that the two kind of cross paths there. Yeah, that one's really fun and, uh, interesting. And again, it's one of those I'm going to have to keep my eye out when those characters come along and see if I, I notice her because I don't remember. So, um, all right, I will do the next one. The next one, um, this one I had no idea, and it's Grace Lee Whitney. She was um, King Tut's jilted girlfriend, Neela, and then, of course, she was obviously the amazing Yeoman Rand. Yep. So that's... Um... That's pretty cool. Again, another one I didn't know, didn't recognize, didn't uh, didn't put two and two together. Uh, good to see Grace Lee. Uh, I, although I, I can't say that, I don't know which one came first. Do you? Um, as far as Yeoman Rand or the King Tut's girlfriend? Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to look and see uh, when, when that character came in on Batman. It could have been a, roughly the same time. It might have been later in, in Batman, because I'm not sure. I don't remember. Hmm. But anyway, um, you always cheer for Grace, Grace, Grace Lee Whitney. Mm -hmm. She was, um, yeah, uh, one of, I, we were talking about uh, how Yvonne Craig was, played a tragic character as Marta. Uh, Grace Lee Whitney, you know, had a lot of struggles in her career. Yeah. And, um, you know, she, she did everything she could, I think, to... Um, to earn a spot in Star Trek. And I'm, I'm just glad they did the right things and they pulled her back, you know, uh, for the movies and for, um, and for the Voyager series as well. Well, at least that one episode. I agree. I, I was so excited to see her character come back in the films. And that was, that was really nice to see her there. Do you want to do the last one, Ken? The last, the one. last one. Malachi Throne. Malachi Throne. That's an awesome it is a screen. Can that be real? <laughs> I don't know. Malachi Throne. It could be real. <laughs> okay. He wore false face, right? He was false face? I guess, yeah. That's Yeah. And um, I can say I had no idea that he was in Batman, probably because he had a false face. Yeah. 
But we all know him as the uh, Telosian Keeper. He was Commodore Mendez in the Menagerie, and then Pardek in TNG's uh, Unification episode. So he, um, I guess, bad guy, bad guy, good guy, bad guy would be the four roles that he just had, right, as I went down that list. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. Uh the television keeper I'm iffy on. I don't know necessarily if I want to say they're like inherently bad, like false face, uh, and and Pardek, but uh, eh, kind of sorta. Ah, well, you know, intentions were not thing, great. <laughs> no, no, it, 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 there you go. I, I do, I do think it's it's kind of funny that um, um. When, when Anson Mount was speaking in Las Vegas, uh, that, and I've heard this many times, that, that actors more times than not prefer to play villains. Mm. You know, because there's so much more to do and um, more to play you, know, with. you can kind of let loose a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that to me was fascinating. So maybe that's uh, Malachi. I love, I want to say his name a hundred times. Malachi. Um, that maybe that's what Malachi is, is born to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, the Commodore Mendez role was pretty small yeah you know it would there wasn't there wasn't a lot to do and then he turned out to not even exist so <laughs> that's true yeah, mm-hmm. that's fine <laughs> all right we covered the I list know, we did and it was it was super fun listeners uh, you'll have to let us know if if you watched batman whether it was originally on or if you watched it like me later on in your life uh, and if you noticed any of these or or what your thoughts are because i'm intrigued to know how many other uh, Bat Trek fans are out there. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be a lot, I would think. And if you're listening to this show, I'm guessing from a demographic point of view, you're probably even if you were a, um, a, a you're young, like my esteemed co-host here, um, you may have an old soul mm-hmm. and maybe appreciated those old shows. Who knows? Uh, but uh, it is it is fun to see uh, people you know from Star Trek and and seeing them in other roles. I, I remember, uh, you know, um, when when William Shatner was trying to find his his way back uh, into stardom again because he had a, a really rough stretch. Um, anything that mentioned his name or whatever, I was always excited to watch. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to think of what the, the movie. There was a movie he made called Kingdom of the Spiders. No thanks. Um, oh. No, Spiders, no, Haley, uh-uh. you've got <laughs> no. Haley, you have got to catch this movie. <laughs> nope. But, but. If you really want to see where some A-list actors have, you know, when when they go up and they go down, sometimes boy, do they go down. Um, yeah, yeah, an entire town uh, wound up getting um, trapped by the spiders. Um, yeah, completely webbed in Ugh. at the end. It was pretty cool. Uh, spoiler, spoiler, spoilers. But yeah, it's. Um, kingdom of the spiders that's that's when you go um yeah for for all that arrogance sometimes this will humble yeah. you yeah have i think everybody needs a dose of that humble pie every now and then mm-hmm. yep yep and uh it happens to me daily yeah and it's interesting i mean we think of uh you know you know that kirk and nimoy um you know they both were on other shows, TJ Hooker and things like that, but it's it's interesting breaking down this list of going, oh, well, this show was really great and I enjoyed this show, and oh, man, there was that many people who kind of had roles in both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that could be a, a show of the future, right? We could talk about uh, Mission Impossible, In Search of, um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, uh, all the different things that 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 Nimoy did, and and as well as Shatner, and a lot of the other actors too. I mean, they they all had um, pretty interesting roles and in, in different things uh, uh, throughout the years, and it's it's kind of cool to watch them outside of their normal role. Yeah. And it's it's also hard to um, take them seriously in those roles sometimes uh, because you're so familiar with mm-hmm. them. And that's the hard part, you know. You see them, and that's why a lot of these. We recognize them and might, but not not fully, because it's it's something different. It's not what we're used to seeing them doing, and so it's just a little weird. <laughs> it is a little weird, but they, um, you know, it, it, it's it's part of that up and down in in, in Hollywood. Um, it's 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 crazy. I, I I'd be fascinating to know now with all the um, 
with with all the streaming services, with all the cable channels or, or whatnot, uh, are the odds better now? Or are there that many more people trying to become actors and trying to make it so that the odds have stayed the same mm. as far as getting roles? So it's a, it's a whole different world out there, Haley. Yeah, and way out of my league. <laughs> you mean you're not going to audition for anything oh, soon? Oh, no. <laughs> but I heard they were making a new Batman movie. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so where are you going to be? All right, well, you know, our loss, I guess. You, yeah. What can I say, listeners? Sorry. Yeah, you know. <laughs> okay, well, I, I think I'll get over it. Okay, that's good. Okay. All right, any other final thoughts? No, it's just been really fun. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun seeing you again, getting caught back up. Uh, we'll get back into our rhythm now. Yes. We've got some um, great story ideas. I think uh, Zach laid out a couple of things that we're going to be doing upcoming that I can't wait to get into. I think they'll be fun for you as well. And, um, you know, it's just it's going to be good just to get back into a normal rhythm. Las Vegas is done. We're moving forward. Paramount, CBS, one team, one fight, new Star Trek shows. And, oh, yeah, I can't really talk about those, can I? But anyway, I'll find a way. I'll find a way. I'll stay. I'm gonna jump over that wall. You know we'll jump over that wall. Oh, we will. And uh, oh yeah, I I will be anyway. <laughs> well, some some people can. <laughs> You're invited on. You can come and talk about the new stuff if you want to. Okay, thank you. I've got it recorded now. You can't get nope. away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, talking about um, guest stars from both the Star Trek and. Batman series isn't the only thing we're talking about this week. Here are some other shows also on the Trek FM network. Previously on Trek.FM, The Ready Room. But Larry, how do you know that there's not a house somewhere out there on the forge where Cybok's in the living room, Michael's in the living room, and there are like six other people in the living room that Amanda... <laughs> And Sarek and Spock never talk about. They oh, sure, they took us in for a while and they threw us in the house on the forge. The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Wait, so what switched between your two lists? Calypso comes in, Runaway comes in second oh, of right, importance. Right. Okay. But Calypso comes in second in enhancement of the season. Okay. I see and really, even in importance, I could probably in my head flip Calypso and Runaway because I don't mm -hmm. need Runaway. Standard Orbit. Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, is the best-named movie of the first six movies, I think. Because from a marketing point of view, from a Star Trek point of view, it's just a great title. You know, I'm not talking about the execution of the film. I just mean it's a great title. The other movie titles were, eh, eh. You know, I mean, they weren't that creative. Literary Treks. So I, I think... You have an idea or a story for a Star Trek novel. It you would be better served if that came on the heels of the ten pieces of fan fiction that you've written, or whatever, or, or things that you've written on your own. That not necessarily fan fiction, but if you practiced as a writer and and have honed your your craft, because they're going to want you to be a, a good writer. Yeah, they're going to, and, and that comes back to, you know, it's, they're going to tie in editors, and this is not just Star Trek, this is anybody. They're going to go with people who have demonstrated an ability to hit their marks, hit their marks clean, easy to work with, or at least able to work with. Um, and, and, and can do that on a, and can do that on a, it's like, okay, I did it once. No, okay, well, now do it again. Now do it again. Now do it three times in a row. Now do it five times in this one calendar year. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all of these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, you can get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you would like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trek.fm contact and look in the sidebar on the show page. Or you can go to speakpipe.com trekfm and please leave us a voice message. 
You can also contact us through Twitter at TrekFM, Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm, and the Babel Conference. Type the Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trekfm.com and click Discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals and different milestone contribution levels along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our associate producers for Standard Orbit. They are Norman C. Lau, Nick Anastasio, Tim Robertson, Richard Marquez, Corey Elrod, Dan Rhodes, and Mike Richards. Your contributions and support mean the world to us, and we appreciate you being associate producers on Standard Orbit. So to find me on the interwebs, you can find me on the Babel Conference. I'm there all the time, or you can find me on Twitter at BostonSCPO. You can find me on Twitter at Trekkie01D. You can also hear me talking about both Discovery and the Orville over on the Fandom Podcast Network's Discoville podcast that drops every week. So thanks for listening and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit. <laughs>